All right, guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever Podcast. I'm Noah, and with us, as always, we have Jake Yeager. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had, well, special depending upon uh, who you ask and how you mean it, but um, <laughs> we, we, we had Mike McDowell on the podcast as a guest a few weeks ago. And today we have one of Mike's dear friends, Joel Warner. Joel, thank you for coming. Oh, very welcome. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. Um, I think you're going to have a lot of good stories to tell, uh, a lot of good insight on that big topic that we've been going with the past couple of weeks of sturgeon spearing. And, uh, you know, there's maybe a few discrepancies in some of the stories that Mike told a few weeks ago that, you know, we might have to kind of set the record straight a little bit. Only with Mike. Only, only with <laughs> Mike. So the first thing I want to point out here is that we've been – receiving within you know some of our inner circle a lot of comments about this couch okay because people think that this is too small of an area they don't like our couch they think it's too little what i mean we're like three peas in a pod right here dare i say we have elbow room well i'm kind of scrunched up here well, no, but, this, uh, see look that's just because my elbows where i take up half the couch and no <laughs> no 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 that's not true we we've got a great I'm proud of that don't know it's a, it's a it's a it's a good little spot the couch is doing just fine we'll see if it's still standing by the end of this thing but i don't want to hear any more comments about this because i think we've got a great little couch here and this is without the ottoman we talked yeah. about that too we got the little ottoman we can bring in here, here. We could have a, a downright party. Mm -hmm. I agree. So the bar in the middle is in there. <laughs> <laughs> make, a, make a few adjustments there. We'll be all right. Okay, the second thing is we've got a gift for you. And I'm going to have to do a little bit of reaching around here, so bear with me. <laughs> we've got this here. Uh, I, I guess you could call it a bottle. I was actually... You know, I haven't held that many of these in my hand. It's not glass. No. No, it's plastic. It, a lot you, of them are. You, I know. You always think it's glass, and I thought, well, it's probably a safety hazard type of situation. It was a major letdown when I realized that this was plastic and not glass. But um, we talked about this at the at the Sturgeon party, the the Mount Royal Light. I believe this is the one. This is this is the stuff, eh? That's been my go-to. That's the one that you, you know, when you want to be viable by the end of the night right you use this right because i think i think you said you, you can't quite like, drink enough of this to get you drunk that that is true but, I, I was gonna say you're a bottle short and yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> all right so anyways make sure you grab this on your way out but you know we were just talking about it at the at the sturgeon party and talking about getting you on the podcast and everybody's like ah oh, he's he's not gonna want to do it you're gonna have to gonna have to coerce him into it and so we we got a little bit of bribery going here we brought gifts that works all righty let's get into it a little bit here so we are in i mean what what day is it as far as the sturgeon spearing season goes we've gone by two weekends now day nine i'm yes. retired so i really don't know what day well, it is, but yeah. other than the sturgeon spearing season i believe it is day 10 today day 10 okay so we're we're through the better part of the season we've made it through two weekends um, not, so, not so good weather coming not so good weather coming but it's been some not so good weather kind of the whole time a little bit and Crazy. we just kind of weather ever. we just kind of kept doing our thing so would you say that this year has been like particularly bad compared to other years most definitely really 
I've never spent an entire season using ATVs. Oh wow! Every day so far, and that's. I've heard that from a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. Talking to some of my older neighbors who have been spearing for a long time, he's like, "Yeah, you can, you can see the trend that it's just been getting warmer and warmer every year." I mean, when they did it way back when, they it's like, "Yeah, we had like twenty five, thirty inches ice and." Jeez. crazy now i mean now we're down to 15 14 was like yeah. highs i've, I've speared in years when you had a 42 inch bar and you couldn't put much bevel on it to get through oh my gosh <laughs> and then i've had years when you stand straight up with a 42 inch bar and come so. yeah that's crazy I, I didn't realize it was like that bad compared to a lot of other years but i guess then the fact that we've been able to make it work this long into the season then is kind of it's 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 something else we we had some interesting things today though uh when we went off the shore at uh wentz today when uh, the blind leader mike was just waving me on let's go let's go and all right here we go and i look over to the fraction island and to the big island and there's flocks of ducks sitting on something and it's not snow no so uh those areas are opening up really fast yeah even opening weekend by the island there was some sketchiness there maybe some open water and now it's definitely you see pictures like in on facebook and whatever there's some water opening up there so it's nothing to be messed around with and i think your um your blind leader that you're referring to did have a little bit of a mishap this past weekend and I think the diagnosis came through today. He's got a broken foot now. What? Yeah. He, one of the, we were moving one of the bridges to try and get across the crack over by Wentz. And he dropped it on his foot. Oh, jeez. So just like right on top, he just crushed a bunch of bones in there. <laughs> yeah. So we're hoping for a speedy recovery for him. But he's he's uh, he's a tough guy. He's, I don't know if you can right. get that picture in there. But uh, whoever did his nails and looking at oh, that foot. Yep, yep, yep. I'm concerned, though. I'm concerned. That, <clears throat> that doesn't look good. No, no. I think I, we should go cut it off. Yeah, something, <laughs> something's going wrong there. He's he's got bigger problems than just the broken, and just the, the fungus. broken foot. And the and well, the fungus, yeah. yeah, there's an alleged fungus. We're not sure. I don't know if it's been proven, but there's <laughs> some allegations out it's, there. It's fungus. Now we're gonna have to get Mike back on so that he can defend himself again. This is, <laughs> oh man. So you were out today, like you mm-hmm. said, you're retired. So you've been out uh, quite a few days, maybe every day. Um, sounded like you had a little bit of action today. We did. Um, I uh, tried a different camera technique today. Okay. Now, I, I mean, I'm not a monster proponent. I, I like old school. I like to be able to see the fish. Uh, but there's just times when you can't see them and, <clears throat> you know, adapt to the times. And I used the camera today and I tried something new. I pointed it straight down in the middle of the hole okay. rather than on the side and across. And uh, I did see a sturgeon today, and uh, I did uh, throw the spear at it. Um, I may have been just as successful throwing it out the door. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I thought I was pretty close to it. And then after the mud cleared, um, I could see where my spear hit the mud, and uh, I was within six inches of it. Ooh. So with that technique, is it more so like to line it up so that when you look at your TV, the corners are all like matched up and that that's one of the things that i didn't do well um i didn't have anything with me other than uh use the brain power and thought what could i do to give me a perspective because i was under the impression that when a camera pointed straight down if you spun it the bottom wouldn't move the camera would move but the bottom wouldn't 
uh, it doesn't work that way. When I spun it today, the whole bottom spins. Okay. So um, I lowered a decoy uh, into one corner of the hole. So at least I had a perspective on where that corner was as far as if I'd see a fish in any of the other ones. So it, it worked pretty good, but I think I can do better. Uh, I can get better at it if I need to. Hopefully right. we get some clear water for a few years again. And But if we had clear water, honestly, this season would be done by now. Um, there's a lot of fish. A lot of people are seeing a lot of fish. Um, I saw two yesterday, one today. So uh, I talked to a guy at the launch today at Fisherman's Road, and uh, he saw five today, and he threw wow. four times oh. and got none. So he's uh, still in my park as far as spearing with a camera. I think I'm over five now in three years. <laughs> so, huh. it, it's hard. Uh, it's it's nothing easy. I witnessed it for the first time ever this Saturday. I, we had one come in on camera. I was sitting with my dad and uncle, and we're like, oh, we don't really know where he is. So they just through and we guessed wrong 50 50 and yeah. we were on the wrong side but it, it's it's not easy at all because you think they're there and you should be able to see them but you you have no idea where they are yeah my first year opening day gabby and i had one that that came in and we could only see it on camera and i think gabby like just barely missed it or maybe got it in the head or something and i think i got it in the tail after it had already kicked and so that one was kind of a near miss and then the one i speared last year that one was fully on camera. I couldn't see it at all, but it t- it takes a lot of time to kind of like get your bearings because once you see the fish, then you kind of have to go back through and line it all up, and then it's moving, so it's kind of a mm-hmm. moving target there. But So is the clarity this year not quite as good? Because we haven't, at least in the shacks that I've been in, we haven't had a lot of camera use. It's been pretty much just looking down the hole. I think it's real spotty. I mean, I've, I've sat in holes this year where – you could see bottom without anything. You can see the ripples in the mud or the sand or wherever you're at. And then uh, I had a Saturday, um, you wouldn't have seen a fish on bottom, maybe even with an X. So, you know, again, that just fosters a move right away. And uh, the water today, I noticed it got cloudy and then cleared up and then cloudy and cleared up four or five times over the course of the day. Hmm. So it was, uh, it was interesting, but... Uh, that's why it's such an interesting sport and an interesting lake as well. Right. It is definitely a unique lake like that. I mean, just the shape of it, I've always found kind of weird because it, it's so big, but it's like a just a big oval. There's not, and then like the, the change in depth of the lake, it's not very deep to begin with for as big a lake as it is. And it, it just, it, like you said, it's just an interesting lake and an interesting sport. And I've even heard this year, like, just being a couple hundred yards away, somebody might not be able to see bottom and somebody else might be. Most definitely. So, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit spotty there, like you said. But So that's that's a little bit about this year. You're still looking to get on the board. But what about the, the start of all of this? Because when we had Mike on, he talked about how kind of his start was going out with you mm-hmm. and with Shipper. And so we kind of want to know, how, how did you get into sturgeon spearing? Uh, my father, uh, Sturgeon speared, uh, his whole life. Um, and I kind of, he took me out, uh, spearing, uh, kind of like he took me hunting when I was five years old. Um, I think the first time he took me hunting was goose hunting and he dragged me across a field and, uh, I didn't walk. He dragged me <laughs> and, uh, 
by the time we got across this cornfield to, to set up for the geese, my boots were gone. And he <laughs> made me sit the whole day without them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I thought they were good decoys anyway. But, yeah. Um, yeah, my dad was uh, a regular spear. He, he loved to sturgeon spear. Um, I don't believe my grandfather on his side uh, did too much of it. He was a big fisherman. That's what he lived for. But um, he, my dad got hooked into... Uh, the group with uh, Dick Gurno and a few others uh, from town, and we just kind of branched out from there. Um, then Mike and I and uh, Tim started spearing together. I met those guys when I first got hired uh, in the district. Uh, we were at different schools, and then I got a transfer to their school. Uh, that's where they um, started asking to come along, and uh, that that's how that story goes, and uh, now we're inseparable. We spear together all the time, thick and thin. We always got each other's back, take care. Like today, um, it was a bad scene getting off the lake today. Uh, the crack at once was uh, pretty bad today. Uh, there actually was an island of floating ice in between it. Oh, my gosh. And so Mike took one of his shacks off at Fisherman's Road, and he picked up my shack at Wentz, and I went around and got his. So it's always, you know, just a, a teamwork kind of thing, helping out and making sure everybody's taken care of. So yours was a lot more of like a, a family type thing. You just kind of were raised up into it. Yeah. Um, my dad uh, passed away in about 2000, and then my brother and I speared together pretty regular. Um, like I said, when I went to college out of – I went a few times in high school, but when I went to college, I kind of got away from it. As soon as I graduated from college, I got a job and could afford some things and uh, bought the, the shack, built the shack, and bought the equipment and uh, started in there. I you know, started off spearing with you know, Michael Howard Schmitz and Ronnie Goldopsky and some of those guys, and uh, it just branched out from there. Um, I mean, whoever decided to transfer you over where Mike and Shipper were, they didn't know what they were starting. <laughs> like they, they, they started like a whole thing. I mean, the whole Sturgeon Slayer group could could potentially be attributed just right right to that. That was it. The, uh, the that actually the Sturgeon Slayer group started under a different name. Um, it was they were going to write a book. Uh, Tim and Mike were going to write a book. It oh, boy. It's called The uh, Legend of the Urban F-Ups. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. The Legend of the Urban F-Ups. Okay. And uh, we added chapters regularly. Um, I was not immune from the chapters, but those two definitely contributed more chapters. Right, right. <laughs> so was it just writing, or was it just more making the story kind of as you go? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was nothing ever recorded. Yeah, th it nothing was, was ever uh, written down. No, no. But so, so that was the origin, and then eventually it was, well, writing a book might be a little too difficult. Maybe let's just start a group. And some of the stuff is definitely not mainstream. Uh, not everybody <laughs> would understand uh, some of the things that uh, would have been in that book. I gotcha. So the story of Shipper ripping off a two by four, just pulling the spear down and ripping the the shack all apart. Is that true? Did that, that actually happen? That is a true story. He got very excited, and it was like one of the uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're like the Z shaped nails. You'd pound the nail into the uh, stud wall stud. And uh, it had came down and had a little hook, a straight turn up, 
and uh, the spear would hang right on there. And uh, the first time he got excited, he just right never took it off the hook, just fired it, and <laughs> the entire stud split down about three feet. <laughs> oh my gosh! So what about the um, the the lights that you used? under the water back when that was a thing was there some discrepancies there in the story no that was crazy i don't know what it was about that day but um it had been going on for a little while and uh we decided we were going to try it and uh mike did bought the submersible crappie lights he was a little confused on what those were for uh those were basically i think used down south or um clearwater lakes and they would put those down in the evenings and they would draw bait fish in. It was a big tool, I think, for like crappie fishermen and stuff. That makes sense. Uh, but boy, it lit up the uh, lit up the night's water on Winnebago. That was crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's still, still probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen when that fish came in. I'll, I'll never forget that. It was suspended, you know, like 12 feet of water is only about six feet down. Uh, but about three in the morning, you know, a few beverages deep, uh, that one makes your heart jump a little bit. That was pretty, that was pretty insane. I think we ended up seeing, uh, well, we had one actually push the X on bottom about 20 feet. Best I can figure is his nose got caught in the end of the pipe because it was being pushed perfectly sideways for about 20 feet. Oh and just gosh. a massive cloud of mud. We never saw that fish. Um, I don't know if the mud covered it or whatever. That, that was obviously prior to the camera use and stuff. But um, And then the we had one more come in that night uh, that we saw. But it, it didn't like the lights in the shanty or something, I don't think. Because it turned and whirled and we never got a crack at that one either. And uh, that was about all my heart could take. I had to take a <laughs> nap after that. And, until it opened the next morning <laughs> and that's when mike told me i had the, the new state record coming underneath my feet <laughs> uh, 7 30 the next morning uh, he was screaming at me from across the shanty warner here it comes oh my god it's a giant oh and i'm waiting waiting and looking straight he's, he's coming right between your feet i grabbed the spear and uh here come the head of the fish as soon as i saw the head of the fish i darted him and then I realized, Mike just said that that was the biggest sturgeon on earth. I knew it. I should have known right at that moment. I just couldn't trust him. <laughs> and uh, we yanked her up. I think it was about 32 pounds. <laughs> he was hanging his head like a puppy dog over in the corner. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but oh it was all, all good humor. That was, all, that was fun. That would be the coolest thing now because we never have been able to experience that like at night. Yeah, if, I was just thinking that. Like if you could do that for like the last day of the season or something. Like that, the final, the 16th day, if that, I mean, I guess that's a Sunday going into a Monday wouldn't be the greatest, but if there was just like one night that you could be out there to spear, that would be the coolest thing. Did, I, th I think you, you would really enjoy it. I, and it was, if you didn't have any spearing equipment with you, I would think it's absolutely totally legal on one of those, maybe two nights prior to the season, uh, to be on the upriver lakes and do that. I <sighs> think you would, I, I think it might be a good place for a podcast. I we, don't know. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So you get in the shack. We set up all the microphones. Two there's, in the morning. There's no spears. 
There's Soon no spears. Gets, there's no nothing. Start. It's just the shack and just uh, there's nothing against I, I, us being out I there. I agree. I don't think there's any law that says and, you couldn't put the lights down and as we long can, as you don't we have can, any spring. We can double check, but you put the lights down and we can just shoot a podcast and just watch as the fish swim by and play. And that's an idea right there. Yeah, it is. That's where you earn the Mount Royal that's right it, huh? there. That's it. in coming up with ideas like that. If you get two more of those today, we'll be in really, really good shape. Nice. <laughs> so did you personally ever spear one at night then? I did not. I have not speared one at night. Um, other than on the Wolf River in April. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I have uh, that. That was the, I believe that was the only night I did it. Um, I don't know how Mike tried to rig like 12 batteries in sequence and I think he blew the lights up so I think we were out of lights after <laughs> mm. the, the first night but. yeah I heard there was some sort of light explosion <laughs> yeah. painted the shack yeah. a little bit he blew one up for sure and then we were down to one light and then we said well instead of look at one light we might as well drink so <laughs> right I think that's the direction it went so after that first year you were like no these guys they got to go they got to get their own shacks uh, it was more than that, but uh, it was it was the thought was there after a year, right? But to, to come to fruition, uh, it took a few years to get rid of them. But uh, <laughs> you know, we were busy and stuff too. We were young. We were all coaching, so schedules weren't always great. And I had the shack, so it was always you know it was pretty good. Uh, finally, I think Mike uh, bucked up and built one then. And now he's like the king of building yeah. shacks. I think they built four this year, and I mean they just one keep of those is mine. And I tell you what, those North Fond du Lac kids are phenomenal. That is the nicest shack. I had about ten or twelve people come into my shack opening weekend uh, for social beverages afterwards, and all of them commented. I believe I got them a job already for next year. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine uh, has a frame that I I hooked up with them and. Uh, He's getting one built, and I think Mike's going to do that one right away next year. But yeah. it's a tit for tat. He's working a week vacation uh, this summer on a VRBO up north. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I remember when I went through that class. I think we just built one, maybe two. I want to say one, but then we donated that one to Sturgeon for tomorrow, and I think they do that a lot of years, most years. Yep. I think they we yep. built we built two. One of them was his. Probably one you yeah, speared out of. It could be the one we speared <laughs> out of, yeah. No, they, they do a great job. They got a, a really good system going now, and they just crank through a couple of those every year. Um, but, it's like I'm, you know, learning to build a house on a miniature scale. I mean, yeah. it's great education. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. On a small scale, it doesn't cost a whole arm and a leg anyway. Right, and if you make a minor mistake, it's not that big a deal on a shack like that. It's right. pretty easy to fix right. and everything. So it is a, it is a really cool program there but so besides like the the lights and things is there anything else that really sticks out in your mind that's changed over the years um i would say that um there's a lot more like speculating people in the in the sport now Uh, a lot of people i'd hear about it from their friends and say oh heck yeah i'll go try that um i think that's where the number has grown and is that good or bad i don't know um, you always have your people who are, you know, there are the, the, the Sturgeon families, the Mookies, uh, over on the, on the, uh, East shore, the Schumachers, uh, those people are, they're hunters. They spend way more time outside of the season looking for fish, you know, than, than they do, uh, during the season once they, ooh, what's that? That's no, you're good. Um, so, uh, there are people now that, um, 
just show up with somebody who knows what they're doing and just have them sit down and, uh, you know, enjoy the experience. Some of them continue, some of them don't. But I think, you know, that's a, it's making up a large population of the people now. You know, there's not as many hardcore guys uh, today, you know, maybe as there as there was, you know, 20 years ago. Anyway. Right. Yeah, I think you get a lot more people into it, and maybe with that comes more tags sold and, and things like that. But at least from what I've experienced in the past couple of years, I don't think it's necessarily led to any issues where people are just like filling up the caps and now these people who have dedicated all this time and like these diehards that you talk about where they're not given opportunities like i don't think it's necessarily encroaching on anything that that more people are out there no no i i think it's great um i mean you know the license sales and everything um you know when there is a harvest cap uh the more people you have the more pressure you're gonna have you know, to, to fill that harvest cap. Um, and for some people who pass fish, uh, and there's a lot of the old school guys will pass fish. They just don't want to take, you know, home like their first fish. It was maybe a 45 or 50 inch, 25, 30 pound fish. Yep. Um, a lot of guys, uh, the old, old school, you know, don't do that anymore. Um, I mean, if given a good enough chance and having long enough through the course of a season, um, you know, if you have an opportunity at a good fish, take it. But if not, uh, there are some that will, you know, lower their standards a little bit at the end and, and take a small fish. There's others that just won't do it. Right. Uh, they'll, they'll, they're going to wait for their 90 or hundred pounder and, uh, that's it. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't need a, anything else, you know, for themselves and for their own personal justification. That's what they want. That's, that's the nice thing about America. Yeah. You're free to choose. Yeah. Yeah, I know Jake and I, we've talked about it. We're still kind of in the phase of spearing any fish that comes through. We're not really super picky. It's like if you just get the opportunity at one because it can be so rare and, and so few and far between. And we've been really, really fortunate the past couple of years that we've had a lot of success. But mm-hmm. obviously there could be a great number of years you go without spearing one or without even seeing one. So we're still kind of in that phase of... Right kind of taking whatever you can but well i think i did that for probably my first 15 fish uh whatever i saw i speared yeah uh, you know i always felt like i was lucky enough to see one and when i saw one i was going to take it right and now um you know i i actually i'm on a little bit of a different boat than others i'd rather see you know my kids get one with me and stam's kind of on his own now but my daughter still sits with me and you know that that experience uh, you know, I didn't know if you had it as a question, but you know, one of my greatest experiences ever, uh, we were watching my two kids get their first fish and I was sitting with them when they did that. That's pretty cool. And yeah, I, uh, Johnny Kramer was with me and Sadie, uh, the season went, uh, seven days on the upper river. We, the, we got the call that it was going to close on Friday. I called my daughter in Madison. She was at UW Madison uh, working and uh, she took the day off and I think it was about 11:45. she got a black egg female that was 52 inches 47 pounds with black eggs wow. oh that was pretty crazy that was that was pretty neat but uh, to see that fish come in and, and just watch her sit next to her 
And I don't know if you guys know John at all, but uh, he's a good friend of mine. He was sitting across from us uh, with a center hole, and he saw Sadie start to cock the spear as soon as she saw it out under the ice. Under his, <laughs> he, he goes, no, no, no. And uh, then she's uh, fish came into about the middle of the hole. It was coming right to her feet, four feet down. And I saw her cock the spear again. I said, no, no, not yet. And I said, make sure you don't hit the head. And she fired, and uh, she did not hit the head, but she was less than an eighth of an inch from the skull plate on that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got her out, and I've uh, I've got pictures that I could share with you. It's the most, it's the greatest picture uh, with my daughter I've, I've seen anyway. It's pretty cool. Stuart Mooker came over and took the picture. Uh, I mean, she's so excited. She's purple uh, <laughs> from laughing and just being, you know, just so excited. It was so cool. Uh, you know, last minute fish, uh, her first fish. That was that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's really awesome. And that, I mean, obviously, like that that would be kind of a smaller fish to have black eggs. No, it was uh, all the biologists, uh, the the DNR guys at the registration station were all kind of amazed. They said this is, a, and as long as I've been spearing, I don't recall ever a less than fifty pound fish having black eggs. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not trying to say that your fish is small or anything. No, say no. Just like <laughs> as far as having black eggs, you would think usually those are the ones that are pushing a hundred. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, sixty to eighty for sure. Right. Right, but like if you get one of those 130 pounders, you can almost guarantee it's going to be right. an F4 female right. with black eggs. And like Jake's was, yours was 98 and some change, and it had just spawned out mm-hmm. the year before, right? So yep. that one would have been an absolute That's a giant. One, 120 range for uh-huh. sure. Yeah. So then what about Sam's? What about his first one? Um, <clears throat> that was also an upriver fish. Um, I went to uh, UW Oshkosh and picked him up um, the day before the season. And uh, we went and sat for an afternoon. That morning, I personally saw, while he was in class, <clears throat> I went out and sat in the shack, and I personally saw the biggest fish I've ever seen. Wow. And uh, it was the day before the season, obviously, and that was that was tough to watch that fish swim away. I did get a picture of him with my cell phone. They'll believe that. Or actually, I think <laughs> Sam took it. But um, so, what do you think? What kind of range are we talking about there? Um, that that the next. The next day, a spear, a fish was speared right down the way from us. That was like 141 pounds within a hundred yards. So I'm gonna guess that that was that fish or, oh, or a similar one. It crazy. was in that range. Holy cow! So then you you picked Sam up from school. Picked him up from school and got him some lunch and we went out and uh, sat. Well, you know, got tried to get him excited. We had about a 30 pounder come right through the middle of the hole. He was he was jacked up and. So we go out and sit, and uh, Johnny Kramer got a 100-pounder. I think that was his first 100-pounder that year on Butamore, uh, 102 or something like that. Steffi, his daughter, got a like a 60- or 70-pounder, if I remember right. Um, Jesse Knipple got a fish to this day. I don't know how that fish didn't weigh more than the one I got because it was enormous. Hmm. Uh, Jesse's not a very big guy, but uh, the picture of him holding that fish, and my fish on the scale at the DNR station was 82 pounds, and his fish was like 74 pounds. If you hung them together, it looked like his fish would have eaten mine. Oh, I mean, it was it was just a tank, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was less in weight. But so um, 
I got mine later, but I wanted to make sure Sam had first shot. And uh, we're sitting there uh, about 8.30 the first morning, and uh, nothing happening for us. And the others had been picking fish off, and there were a lot of fish in Beatlemore that year. And uh, all of a sudden, one, here one come out of the side of the corner of the hole, and uh, I said, Sam, fish. And uh, the, he saw it. I, I'm not sure if he saw it right away. But he saw it, and then he then he started to get excited. And I looked over at him, and he picked up the spear, and was holding it. And he was following the fish. Now the fish's head is in the middle of the hole. Remember, now it's only five feet deep, and um, the fish keeps going. And Sam is still holding the spear. And I said, uh, "Sam, uh, <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, are you gonna take?" And then he reared back, and he punched a hole in the roof of the shanty with the spear handle <laughs> punched it through the insulation and then he let her rip and he, he ended up he got him anyway he made a good shot on him then but uh yeah he didn't uh let the handle detach after uh the, he didn't let the head on the spear detach yeah and i said just give me a second he was so jacked up that he put the spear back through the insulation <laughs> on, on the roof trying to get it out of the hole. When he realized the spear handle wasn't going to go any further, then he let me get pop the head off, and then we got it off for him. But, uh, that was his first fish. Um, that was, I think, like a 24, 25-pounder. And uh, then we never saw another fish the rest of the day. I was up. And I think that one went into the second weekend, I think, and then I sat in uh, a friend's shanty. Uh, we just kept cutting holes and more holes. Like everybody in that was around us in Butemore got one. It was like I was the last last guy. And uh, they cut a hole for me, and they set the shack. They said, get in there. And I hopped in and hung up my spear, and they were banking on the outside. And I looked between my feet, and there was a tanker swimming right oh, between my man. feet. And uh, ding that one up. That was a 82 pounder. That was a, Jeez. that was my biggest fish. 66 wow. inches, 82 pounds. It was. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Uh-huh. There's a, a lot of uh, shack abuse. There is. Like you just all of your shacks seem to be getting just torn up by other people. What's going on there? Uh, I guess. I, I guess that's part that's why of Mikey had to get him a new one. Part, right. Part of learning that. Uh-huh. I think deep down he he just felt that he wanted to build me a shack for all the devastation he's caused <laughs> right. over the years. Right. Right. Especially the Kyloom stick. Now you know uh-huh. uh, when him and Shipper were going to use Kyloom sticks when the, um, the, the glow in the dark sticks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yep. I got there and uh, they had consumed a few beverages, There's and a few. Uh, the inside of my shack was like the the uh, roller derby park, uh, the <laughs> skate land out there yep. back in the days. Uh, it was glowing inside, three or four different colors. Oh God! And they sat there like scalded little puppies. You can just shipper. see them. They've got a glow they stick were, in each they hand. They were cowering and yeah, and glow, glow stuff running down their hands yep. and they're going. <laughs> and uh so that was uh i think we burned that check down because the runners got bad on it but i think that still glowed in the dark or the fire was a different color anyway oh my gosh so what about like some of your favorite spearing traditions i know we always have at least since i've been around we've had like the the sturgeon party that always happens and then there's the blue ticket raffle mm-hmm. that mike talked about and some of that stuff. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Uh, it was always, uh, you always did a bottle of 
bottle of wine of some type. Uh, it was called the victory bottle then when you got a fish back in the day. And I, I did not receive one for either of the fish that I speared. Really? The first one I was underage. This one I'm not, so I don't know where that's at. But well, we we I think Mike's one of Mike's first fish. We handed him the victory bottle, and I he wasn't sure. And I, I you know I thought he was being funny, but I just don't think he knew. Uh, that he thought he had to drink the whole thing. Oh, so, <laughs> so he topped the whole bottle of MD. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. So so that was that was always a thing. That was one of the things, yep. Um, and and it's one of the traditions today to go down and hang your fish at once and it's see nice. your buddies and you know get your moment of glory and hang out and have a good time. It it is such a social sport. I mean, you know, being a uh, uh, I mean my my passion probably is um, bow hunting for deer and uh, just to to be able to sit in the tree and not talk and not move uh, this is totally on the other end of the spectrum you know you can laugh and talk and have a good time and play name that tune in the radio in the, you know in the shack on the radio um it's, it's really a, a cool social sport that's what we were kind of talking about last time too that that's that's one of my favorite parts honestly is going to Wentz and for as long as you've been spearing, has that kind of been the go-to? I mean, I know a lot of the other restaurants around the lake, but it seems like Wentz is the the number one spot to go. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. There's, um, you know, everybody's got the little spots. I think it's where the registration stations all started. Uh, you have Wentz, you have Pipe, um, you have Stockbridge, um, Oshkosh, Jerry's Bar there. Um, everything was focused around those cities that had those. Um, I think they expanded the registration stations a few years with some big harvests. Uh, I know we went up to uh, Brothertown to register our fish one year. That was the uh, that was the funny year when uh, all those fish were down on the south end, and so were all the people. So, um, but we we traveled to Brothertown to register those fish. But uh, it's nothing like uh, the tradition. Um, I mean, I I understand you know the Stockbridge. I I, I know you know what it means to those people i just have never been there um all i've ever known is Wentz, and i mean honestly you you wouldn't have to know anything else tell right. me there's a more social gathering than there is at, at that great establishment I mean, so mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever seen an angry person at Wentz. i mean everybody is just super happy and whether they got a fish or they didn't and i mean they're just everybody's congratulatory it's yeah. it's, it's an yeah. awesome place to be yeah, 40 years of spearing i don't think i've ever seen a scuffle you know um over anything up there um maybe a few toward midnight or something <laughs> <laughs> so i i've heard uh speaking of the the victory wines a little bit of uh blackberry something or another what's what's the deal blackberry with that? brandy aka sturgeon blood yes that still holds to this day uh, gotcha. when you spear a fish uh you need to take a pull of the uh, blackberry brandy <laughs> so uh mohawk's the go-to uh but what's the saying that the kids are using now uh if there's no mohawk larue will do <laughs> okay okay that's duly noted <laughs> that's duly noted so we we had the debate a couple times now we've kind of shared our opinions but so you talked a little bit about bow hunting is kind of your your passion there Definitely. how would you say it compares to sturgeon spearing because we you know the last episode i think when colby was on and we had a kind of had to pick do we like sturgeon spearing the best deer hunting turkey hunting whatever what are your thoughts on that well, i mean uh 
I don't know. It's just something that's, um, my wife has called it an illness, whatever, but uh, <laughs> archery deer hunting is what it is for me. Um, as, as archers yourselves, you know that over time, you start to train yourself to relax and be calm, you know, when faced with a, a, a big deer and stuff. Um, you know, your heart rate is still going to beat like crazy when you see that big guy, but, you know, you've got to calm yourself and relax and take a deep breath and slow down and slow everything down. Sturgeon, that's just chaos. That that sends my heart to this day through the roof. Uh, they're silent and nothing. Now, the I, I think the calming effect is coming on with the panoptics with a lot of people, which I do not right. use because uh, I don't know how to use it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty deficient when it comes to technology. But um, I think that takes away some of the initial shock for people uh, a lot of the people that are using the pan optics now they know a fish is coming and uh, they can you know maybe mentally prepare a little bit I don't know uh, but when you see one uh, you know and as fast as it happens and for you know honestly it's such a short period of time that you re really see the fish uh, there there's not much more of a rush than that uh, that's uh, to this day, sixty years old, spearing forty years now. Uh, I I still wonder if I'm going to make it when I see one. You know, it's a little one. <laughs> exactly what I said. I don't know. I, I mean, don't. I don't feel that. You. It's not like deer where you can see them coming. Like unless you're using panoptics, but if you're just sitting there and you're just looking down that little hole and it just pops in, it's like it's go time. You get you're either going to spear it or you're not. And then, but see, isn't that what calms you more? Because it's like. You don't have to think about it. It's not It's not like you see a deer that's 100 yards out, and now you've got to wait. It could be 10 minutes before that thing works its way in, and you got to sit there and watch it and think about it and like be nervous about it for that long when it just pops into the hole. Isn't but, it just easier that way? I think, it's a, I think it's the initial catch. I mean, when you first see your target, you know, it's like when you – I used to do this thing, and I used to um, – and I still do it as a joke to, to – you know my hunting friends and stuff now whenever i'd see a buck that i thought i was going to take or i see a really good one uh i i'd say to myself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to myself i didn't yell it to him of course right but, right uh you know that, that was always a catch yeah, yeah. you know and uh sturgeon spearing it's just you know when you 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 see one or point one out to somebody uh, everybody goes on tilt, you know, right at that at that moment. So. Oh yeah, and then it's the initial. You got to get it out of there, right? You, you don't yeah, track it. That. You got to get it out as soon as you can and right. hope it doesn't come off and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know, you know, how the younger generation feels about that. Um, I've been to both schools. Some guys prefer you stab them, and before they start to fight, they want them out of the hole. Me, if they take off on a run. I'm more prone to let, let them go, let them swim, you know, let them swim themselves out. Uh, that last one I speared in 2017 up on uh, Lake Poygan, um, I played that fish for probably close to 15 minutes. Oh, wow. That was a 79-pounder. Uh, she burned my hands. I had nylon spearing ropes, and she pulled the rope through my hands two or three times. You know, you get a little yeah. rug burn type yep. thing in your palms. Uh, but I just let her go the guy was with me come on get her up pull her up pull her. <laughs> no no we're just gonna play it out here and so are, are you doing that no matter what like if you know you have a good hit or if it's a if like if you know like oh that might not be a, the best hit or the spear's not in all the way are you gonna let it swim still or um probably not you know that 
always try to get a second spear in them. Yeah. If, if you know, I I saw a, a video that still hurts my heart to this day. My neighbor, old Cub Shady, had a, just a giant in the hole with his brother-in-law, who shall remain unnamed, <laughs> um, who thought it was in good enough. And I saw the fish come up to the top with a single tine in it, and the barb was right under the skin. And he he didn't, uh, he tried to gaff it instead of spear it again. And it oh, got no. off. Yeah, it got off. That wasn't my fish. <laughs> I wasn't there. But that still like pains me to watch that little clip of video. Yeah, it's hard to watch. That has to be the worst feeling ever. Yeah, like a dark movie. Just, like you'd want to just swim back down the hole after <laughs> it. I think I think Kevin did. Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh! I think he did. Uh, he got a nice one though. He got his hundred pounder a couple of years ago on the Upper River Lake. Well, so. there you go. Yeah, he got so, a payback. On that note, of you know unfortunate mishaps, is there anything? Any like equipment failures? I know my first year when Gabby speared her first fish, I had a the spearhead pop off. Jake warned me about it. It was uh, somewhat of a shipper move. I think it, I I ripped it off a little bit too quick, and it was already like a loose spearhead to begin with, and so that popped off. That led to Gabby getting her first fish, which was awesome. But have you ever had any like equipment failures or anything that that cost you a fish? I, I don't I have not I have heard of that one several times um, I use the uh, my ropes all have surgical tubing or springs on them now um, it's just to me and just much more reliable I know the ball bearings are good and stuff but even with my family's ball bearing spears now I still rig them with uh, surgical tubing or a spring in the line to, to gotcha. get them a little to make sure um I, I i've heard of several people picking up their spear and the head falling off um you know prior to even throwing it so and then you scramble to get it back on there and some sturgeon you might have time but most of them i don't that right. i've seen anyway i don't think you'd have time so obviously you've speared a, a couple of sturgeon in your day what's how do you like to eat them um I, I guess um, I've had them really good a couple times. Um, Ron Goldopsky made some of the best I've ever had years ago. I don't remember if it was his um, bachelor party or what, what it was, but he cooked some. Um, he broiled them with some seasoning in um, not butter because butter burns. So he made it with um, like margarine or, or um, Crisco. Okay. Something uh, uh, that is not non-butter and it didn't burn and he broiled them. Oh, it was so good. Uh, primarily, uh, now, I, I smoke my own. Um, every once in a while, uh, Paul is usually too busy, but Paul Mookie's one of the best smokers of sturgeon on the lake. Um, he got that from his father. Don was incredible. Don did some fish for me over the years. Um, after a fellow who lived a couple doors north of Wentz, uh, John Goyke, um, was uh, as good as there ever was. And then Don was probably the second guy that, uh, stepped up on that smoking thing. You know, he was the guy that everybody wanted to get their fish into, but obviously you don't have time to do everybody's. Right. Um, I, I prefer to do my own now. I kind of dialed in a pretty good recipe and, you know, if I make sure I take my time and do what I'm supposed to do. They turn out pretty good. And then as far as 
smoked. I, I could, it's kind of rich for, for me anyway. I like a few pieces of it at a time with a cracker or whatever. Uh, but I got a sturgeon dip recipe uh, that uh, I'd like to take claim for it. I have made a couple changes, but uh, I got that from Tom and Crystal Pat um, up on the lakeshore, right in that same little neck of the woods up there. Uh, that recipe, uh, if you've never had smoked sturgeon dip, ugh, it's hard to beat at any time. Uh, that's good stuff. What about caviar? Yay or nay? Uh, I will. It's kind of like the shot of blackberry after <laughs> you get one. I'll do it. <laughs> but I ain't going to have a whole bottle. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't mind it. Um, I've had some really good good ones. You know, a little salt, light salty taste to them. Um, I'm not a big like sushi guy either so um i just kind of get a little bit of raw fish but you know i'll dab a cracker in with the gang and have one or two but uh not like uh, our friend who likes to make sandwiches oh yes. yeah stuff yeah uh, yeah yeah some double decker ritz just <laughs> yeah. cracker and caviar cracker and caviar i think was, mike was making cheese sandwiches with yep. the meat was black eggs yeah. <laughs> he he just loves them what he, can you he say does. he, he does. just really likes uh, shipper caviar. shipper as well he, he yeah. enjoys them yep yep yeah. so if it's not going to be sturgeon or sturgeon products but you're out sturgeon spearing do you have a go-to like spearing snack oh um, or multiple spearing yeah. snacks um now that we you know jan my wife comes along uh, she'll make sandwiches and bring 10 bags of this and that and the other thing. But uh, venison jerky or sticks for me is all I need. And uh, after the hunt, the sturgeon hunt, uh, backstraps on the grill out there, Ooh. there's just, just nothing better. There's, we had, I think we finally agreed last year, it had been so long since we had a cookout on the ice. Did you stay out there for that one? Yep, or? yep. Uh, we just fired up a couple of grills and we had bear and uh, <laughs> Mike Mike shouldn't have had any but I uh, know uh, <laughs> we had was Venison. this before or after the incident uh, this was after the incident oh and he's just braving it yes hmm. yes <laughs> and uh, like four people just had eyes on him. Yep. It would help, like, if you didn't try to put the whole bear steak in your mouth at one time. <laughs> right. It would be a little easier. On right. The, the Smaller trip. bites. Right. For right. sure. For sure. So you would agree, then, that it's probably not the right choice to make brats out of your back straps from a deer. Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. I And I, I'm fine. That's a, that's a personal choice, but... Um, uh, I'll trade you 10 pounds of round steak, venison round steak, for one backstrap anytime. So would you say it's more um, insane to do that with your with your backstraps or to just not really be a huge fan of bacon? Oh, boy. <laughs> this topic is going to divide uh, a lot of rooms yeah, here. It is. It is. Uh, the bacon thing, I don't know. I, I, I can't put those in the same category with with deer meat i just can't do it yeah it's a fair um, statement yeah if i went to a restaurant that served a, a nice two inch thick backstrap cooked well versus a prime rib i'm taking the backstrap every time every time some people you know have questioned me about that but hmm. put them on give me the choice i'll, I'll prove it yeah so well um, there you go i guess we're gonna have to start saving. no it, it's not that we that's just how i was 
brought up, you know, like every right. year, my dad and all them shot, there's just everything goes into sausage meat because that's what we were eating. But yeah. I love, I love venison backstraps. I, I backstraps. I think they're awesome. So I made uh, this conscious effort to next year I shoot, we are having backstraps no matter when it is, where it is, or we're going to take them out that night and cook them up. So. All right, I'm looking forward to it. When I was in college, I I, I took a deer into the butcher shop because I didn't have time and in my in our college house, nor did I want to take the deer there. The savages would have had it gone probably in a day. But hmm. I remember taking the uh, package of uh, chops they were called. That was like the backstrap with the bone in, and uh, cooking those up for supper. And we're sitting around a couple of us roommates, and I'm starting to eat and all take a big old hunk of steak and chewing on all of a sudden something something hard in there and my roommates are looking at me and I go in there and I pull out a fully mushroomed 180 grain bullet oh my <laughs> that, gosh that was but when they cut the chop it was perfect on both sides it didn't show and so I <laughs> perfectly mushroomed bullet in my mouth and I pulled it out and they started grossing out and I set it on the table and what, what should you do? Uh, right. Finish the rest of yeah. it. Now, now you found it. You know it's not the in the rest of the meat. I got a trophy and I got to there you go. steak too. So. Holy cow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So back on the, the shack topic there, because we just built one. Jake and his dad just built one this year. Is there anything you would say is like a must-have feature? I know some people do like cabinets. Some people do a built-in bench. There's the the middle hole versus like the far end hole debate. I have all those. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, what's what's like your what's what's a must have feature that you got to have in the shack? Um, if you were gonna build one right now, something that you would absolutely have to have. Well, I think you got to take into account the, who's spearing. Are you by yourself or? Or you have other people with you. If you have other people with you, obviously the center hole is the way to go. Um, I think we goofed around. Uh, my son-in-law's an engineer, and he kind of we tried to figure out. Uh, it's about roughly a full third more vision with somebody sitting on the other side of the hole uh, versus just looking down and out. Yep. With somebody looking down and out this way, it expands you about uh, a third of their uh, of the space you can see that makes sense so what about like some shacks i guess it's pretty rare because it's more about like the frame that sort of limits that but there's a certain square footage of actual hole size that you can have and typically it's not like nobody ever really comes close to it you could have one facing one direction and then one like on the other side wall facing the other direction have you ever speared in a shack like that i've i've sat in one one time i think uh Shipper had borrowed a shack from John Wilkins from the area here, and uh, he had one on each end. Is that what you mean? Oh, I yeah, I could. I, I was talking like if you're looking at it, so like you have one on like the back wall, and then yep. one on a side wall, hmm. like facing two different directions, sort of thing, to kind of cover more ground that way. But it's not something you see a lot because sure. obviously you've got like an axle that's got to get there for your wheels, and then other cross members in the frame. So I think it would well, be the one some different we engineering, built for surgeon for tomorrow was like that. A yeah. smaller one, right when you walked in on like the sidewall, and then there was a end hole. So, or it might have even been a center hole too. Oh so, wow! I've also seen um, 
or I've heard, I haven't seen it, but like runner shacks are on runners where you don't have that axle. Yep. They went the whole length of the shack. It only made it like what foot, two foot and a half, two feet wide, but you got it like ten, twelve feet the whole length. Right. So back in the old days I was witness to a pretty amazing thing. Um I, I can't you know, obviously there's no names, but there was a group of people that were kind of um spearing out of an old army tent, about a sixty foot army tent, green canvas, dark canvas army tent. I don't know if they got it at the surplus or where they got it, but um, they were running, uh, back in the day it opened uh, every five years, and um, they ran their like a little outfitting business. They rented space in the shanty. The hole, oh. prior to the square footage restrictions, the hole was 60 feet long and um, about, about two and a half to three feet normal width. Um, and it was one continuous thing, and I almost thought, geez, how do you know, other than a lot of sticks around it, how do you mark something like that? Right. Uh, for safety reasons. But um, the guy showed me the inside of the tent, and to this day, it just amazed me. They had clients, um, everybody got like 10 feet of space in this tent. And I'm like, okay. And they had spray paint on the snow. <laughs> designating your zone mm -hmm. and uh they had a couple of the people that were running the show they had uh some spears and stuff with them and gaff hooks and stuff but um i'm walking down and there's spears hanging all the way along this thing and no ropes and I'm like, what what is this he said well it's you know four feet deep here and you know it was a, like a 10 foot handle um they were actually going and they pinned the fish right to the bottom Oh, wow. And then they would holler for the guide or whoever it was, and he'd come running down and stick it with another spear, and they'd bring it out <laughs> that way. Uh, that was amazing. That was unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah, I've never um, heard of anything like that. Mm -hmm. I've heard of the tent thing back when there was no yeah. regulation. People just pile in there. And yeah. I guess maybe if you didn't have a shack or something like that, that'd be a place to mm -hmm. easy place to go to get in there. But Right kind of speaking back in the day you've been spearing for 40 years has there been years where like you can just remember just an absolute like slaughter fest out there like season closes oh, super yeah. quick on winnebago yeah. which is rare now but i i you know don't remember the exact numbers but i think there was a couple of three or four days here on winnebago in the wow. 80s yeah um we're not over i checked the the numbers today and the, i think we're at like 900 fish today uh, total for the system i i know there was a opening day when there were 14 or 1500 fish speared on the opening day um and i think it closed relatively short after it didn't last long um i graduated from high school in 1980 and i wasn't really into spearing but there was a year also uh, that my dad and and friends talked about maybe it was around 1980 or 82 somewhere in there where the water was so clear and 20 feet of water that you could you know read the newspaper on the bottom so yeah uh, a lot of fish were taken in some of those years that's when really um you know the conservation started on them uh, ron brock talked about you know uh, not letting the species perish on his dime and uh you know some of the things and the rules he set up uh i think it's only great i mean it's going to just ensure fish for you guys and your kids uh you know so um 
I think I think they did a did a nice job on that. I just you know just wonder why you know, we haven't had a couple of those clear water years. Uh, you know it's bad for businesses. You know right. that's part of their whole yearly income. Yep. You know happens in those couple of weeks of spearing, but um, it's just strange. You know how with the onset of zebra mussels and this lake was going to clear up and the sturgeon were going to be extinct. Uh, it hasn't done that at all. Um, you know, you talk to people in in the biology business, and you know you see the skinny fish. And whenever you have a population of anything, if they're thin and frail looking fish, I mean these our fish are the sturgeon here are incredibly healthy looking, mm-hmm. but you can tell I've seen at three or four, you know, not years, but years years apart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Every so often, you see fish with these giant heads and these thin little bodies on them, and uh, just my opinion, I see I'm seeing that this year. That you know that tends to maybe the fact that uh, we are a little short in the food chain at some point. You know they're not getting the same nutrition, but then you can turn right around and make the argument we have never speared this many hundred pound fish. Right. So is it conservation? Are we letting them go? Protecting them enough? We're getting that uh, group of large females back. Who knows? Um, you know, growing up, I always thought, oh, what are the caps? That, that's kind of dumb. Like, you know, but I think they're the greatest thing ever now. I mean, right. just getting older and realizing, like, that these fish are so old. Yeah. By the time you even are able to spear them when they're 36 inches is, like, insane to me. And I think mm-hmm. that the caps are awesome to keep. It's basically to ensure that we can spear for that's it. ever and ever. As right. long as we are alive, so yeah, it's the largest self-sustaining population of lake sturgeon, I believe, in the whole in world. The world yes. So it's something you kind of have to take pretty seriously and try to protect at all costs. And mm-hmm. I think just the fact that you know we're we're having the conversation and talking about it, and you know, some years you have those skinny fish and whatever. We we may not be able to solve all the problems and come up with one perfect solution, but the fact that people are concerned about it i think is what ends up making everything kind of return to balance at some point or another i think everybody caring about it that much is what is gonna have hope at least that things are gonna there was a lot of a lot of griping when that when that happened you guys you guys weren't around yet but um there was a lot of bad feelings about that those rules and i don't i don't think i've ever heard anybody other than you know, short season shutdown, you know, say anything bad about them anymore. So yeah, not, I mean, you gotta not understand now. that it's for it's for the fish and it's for us. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. So if you had to pick one one favorite fish, would it would it be your your kids' fish again, or if if it was like your own personal fish, favorite one? Um, just like with the kids, my my first fish. Um, um, the south end of the lake for a lot of years was very, usually very murky, hard to, hard to see fish in there. And, um, we always thought they were there, you know, the technology has come so far to, to prove that they are there, you know, in, in cloudy stained water. Um, but there was a few years when the water cleared up down there and, uh, the gizzard shad were dying up there. Um, I remember cutting a few holes over the years when there would be, 20 to 30 dead shad laying on the bottom already and you knew you had a honey hole, <laughs> honey hole at that at that spot um but uh i think i came home um 
And my uncle and aunt had speared 70-some pounders. They got their plaques up at Wentz and stuff. And uh, they said they were just hammering them. So um, I didn't have my shack. Uh, I think I had my shack over at Pipe yet. And I was storing it over by Bill, Bill Jenkins' place. And uh, I came back and uh, sat in Vicky Goldovsky's shanty. Ronnie put me in there and said, sit down. And he said, they're, they're hammering them. They hammered them the last couple of days. He said they slowed down a little bit. And I said, that's because everybody's tags are full. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down and was in there about an hour and had one come right through the middle of the hole on bottom in, you know, maybe a 30-pounder, whatever it was. And uh, took my time and fired that old spear and uh, clunked it right in the head. I had about uh, two pulls on it, and I saw it wiggle and gone. Yeah. And I was devastated then. But uh, fortunately for me, about 15, 20 minutes later, another one came, and I got that one, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remember that one for a long time. That was pretty cool. That's not too bad when you only have to have 15 to 20 minutes right. of devastation. Right. That's, right. You can you can live with that, I you suppose. Can, you can recover from yeah. that. Yeah. So a couple of years ago when Jake speared his first and Gabby speared her first and Terry got one in there, we had three fish out of one shack. Um, have you ever had any of those days where there's been like multiple out of one shack? Yes. Um, back in the day of the conservation patron license, uh, hosted the sturgeon tag on it uh, for quite a while. And what was happening was people were getting people to come out on the lake who didn't sturgeon spear. And, you know, so um, the powers that be decided to pull that off of the, the patron's license. And uh, prior to that, pulling that off, um, we, we had a day, I don't know, I think Mike talked about it a little bit. We set up about 100 yards apart, um, and uh, I think this was like second weekend maybe too, and there was like no shanties around us. Uh, a friend that lived on the lakeshore had gotten a fish and seen a couple in a day, so we, we went out and he showed us where to go. So we cut in a couple shacks, and I cut in my shack by myself, and I let the two... Uh, buddies uh, Mike and Tim sit together in their shack and uh, ice wasn't great that year we took snowmobiles out I remember it was late and it was getting bad whatever it was but um, it, he called me up within like 15 minutes and said oh, we each got one we, come on over I said oh no, I'm right here I said we'll be good I'll sit and uh, we're good and uh, I didn't see nothing. He said, okay, well, we're calling a couple of buddies. They called up some friends of theirs. And those two people came. They ran ashore and got them on snowmobiles, brought them out. And they had patrons licenses. Uh, good sportsmen, but they just had never stirred in the spirit. And I said, oh, sure, we'll come out. And I think the next two guys that went out uh, were full within an hour. Those two each got one. Um, and then they, I think Mike brought Sarah out and... Uh, I don't remember who, who else came, but three more people came. Uh, and I think they they filled all seven up on that, that, that day. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and Mike says it's bullheaded. I wasn't bullheaded. <laughs> <laughs> I just stayed in my shanties thinking I'm close enough. This has got to work. And I didn't get one on a Sunday morning. Uh, they invited a, two more people out. <laughs> Uh, that had that they talked to at the bar <laughs> the <laughs> night before, and they came out and they had their fish by like Jeez. nine o'clock. I said, "All right, I think I better move over there." 
And so then I moved over there, and then unfortunately for me, I had an audience. I was the only one with a tag left, so I'm sitting in the middle, and they're licking, wet willying me in the ears, <laughs> and and pouring beer on my back, and mixing too many drinks for me, and it was just a good time. And 15 minutes, uh, I think I missed one, and uh, 15 minutes later, then I got one. Oh <laughs> I my think gosh. we ended up seeing like uh, uh, 13 fish in, in two Jeez. days there out of that one hole. And we thought three was good. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, that was something else. Um, and it was kind of amazing uh, because they were, I don't think there was one of them. One of the fish that we harvested out of there, I don't think any of them were over 40 pounds. Except the one should have been one because somebody was wet willying me and I was slapping at him and it came right between my feet and I clunked that one in the head. Oh. So that's I guess technically not a miss, but uh, yep, that one got off and uh, then I got one, the one I got <laughs> 15 minutes later. Man, well, we'll take the coordinates after we stop recording here. We'll uh, <laughs> have to mark that spot. So as we kind of wind it down here, are there any other stories? that Mike told a couple of weeks ago that the record needs to be set straight? I don't know. I, I just say that uh, Mike and I speared, um, we went over to Quinney. I don't know. We, we got word that there was some fish over there. We drove all the way up to Quinney. And him and I had no idea where to go. We pulled out the shacks out there and cut in 50 yards from each other. And that's that's one when he... he got shipper uh shipper walked out of the shack and he did yep 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 and uh about i don't know it wasn't 15 minutes later was one of the more crazy things i've ever seen in my life i mean all of a sudden i down to my left right underneath the ice here come a sturgeon it was maybe a 30 pounder it wasn't real big but it was coming and i was going to spear it and it was coming in the hole and it got about the middle of the hole I reached with one hand. The rest of my body didn't move nothing. My, I reached for that spear like that. I've never seen a fish move like that in my life. It turned and whirled and was gone wow. before I even got the hand on the spear. And then I was just depressed. I was bummed. End hmm. of the season coming. Hang the spear back up, and I look, and 10 minutes later, here comes a big one right at the decoy. I'm like, oh... I was afraid to move. <laughs> I like reached my hand over watching the fish and it's coming right at me and I got her off the hook and I, I was sitting down and I said, don't stand up. I was just spooked. Yep. Spook, spooked. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so it came to the decline. I got that one. So that, that one was 67.1 pounds, I think. And Mike's was 81.1, but that 81 pounder, has migrated over the years. It's gained weight. Oh, it's uh. the only fish in life that has been dead for 15, 20 years, but it's gained weight. I, I think he likes to say he's got a 92 pounder. Uh, but uh, I, we could get into the DNR microfiche, the yep, the yep. old uh, and, and he might if he proves me wrong, uh, uh, I'll, I'm good. Uh, and Mike does like to you know just shade him up a little bigger. And then when I found out yours was 90, now I know it. Mike says his was 92. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, there you go. Well, what was I thinking there? Oh, Colby last week asked us if, like, you could, if the sturgeon could hear you or see you or whatever. And we kind of thought, like, not really. Did we kind of get that wrong? Um, 
you know that would kind of be you know something more on the on the I don't know if you call it medical or the biological side of things, uh, but I've 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 heard of people you know saying different things and you know well it spooked when I somebody opened the door or this and that um, the eighty the biggest fish I ever speared the eighty two pounder up on the upper river lakes that fish was no more than four feet under my spear and it happens like I told you guys so fast they told me to sit down they were banking the shanty in on the outside with all that noise and uh, I was in Dewey Knipple shack and when I tried to get the spear off it clunked hard like oh. five times and I look and I, oh his hook hangs different <laughs> <laughs> so then I had to look at the hook quick and I ended up getting it anyway but uh, if fish can hear something underwater there's no way that one couldn't have heard right. me clunking that uh, metal ring on that hook so, so it's more just like anecdotal maybe maybe is it can they see different then like why did that one turn and swim out of the hole right I, I, I don't know if it saw something you know I, I um, or a shadow yeah, or, right. and and why you know uh, i'm not a partaker in the panoptics thing but i hear lots and lots of friends that are running it now that with the panoptics see eight ten fifteen fish a day that turn away from the hole yeah some of them will swear that they can sense that electronic pulse from that thing i i don't i don't know yeah, you um, hear about that all the time, right? that they're coming right up and the, you're watching on the panoptics is coming in and then they turn away. I, I don't and, know. And I've heard other people say that that's bull. That they just are willy-nilly. They, you know, they, they're not like deer traveling down a trail all yeah, the time. Yep. They wander. Oops, sorry. They wander and look for food. Uh, right. I think, the, you know, that's probably got maybe a little more to do with it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, how many people are using panoptics now? They've got to experience it a lot more i would think. yeah i mean that ex the fish are exposed to it a lot more right uh, when we fish in the summer you know all of us are have some type of electronics on our boats um you know i don't know do they sense that i don't you know you'd hmm. think they'd be used to it because the mm -hmm. you know with you the think. pressure on the lake they they must experience it all the time i had a pretty interesting thing happen with the noise thing um yesterday um, with my family in the shack with me, we had a school of about 25 adult-sized perch come into the hole on the camera. And uh, the ice was cracking and shifting yesterday. It wasn't a vehicle, but uh, right at the moment that all those perch were in the hole, the ice expanded or, or cracked. A decent one, not the biggest I've ever seen, but a decent one, and uh, those fish exited every direction like they were on fire i've never seen anything like it <laughs> we didn't spook them we didn't do anything yeah. we we're watching them on the camera but when that ice cracked they all blew up i mean wow. they went every direction i thought that was really interesting you know i don't know that there's a remedy or a cure for it but um talking to a guy today that was fishing in the battle on bagel he said it's the same thing as cars were approaching this they're calling it the mega school now have you guys heard anything mm -hmm. about that no there's a, it's, I think what they're referring to is a school of fish that typically happens up at the mouth of the river at Oshkosh. They're preparing to spawn. They mill yep. around out there and feed till the water temperature's right, and then they go. Um, well, this mega school, uh, they said they were not marking or catching, and all of a sudden a car would go by two or 300 yards away, 
and their uh, panoptics and stuff would light up with fish, and then they'd bang a couple. As wow. soon as a car went or an ATV something went by them, boom, they explode. They they blew up and left. Hmm. Uh, so there, you know, maybe there is something to the noise. Yeah, I guess the day we can figure that out, we'll uh, we'll maybe have a few more fish on right. the ice or in the boat or you never know whatever. But huh. So any other stories if. Mike is going to be back on next week. Oh, is no. there? Is there? Well, is there any? Is there, do you want to add any fuel to the fire? He, he's going to be back on. Is there any? Do you want to poke the bear a little bit? It's funny you bring that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna. I. I for my last bear harvest, I have some hide left. I was actually going to bring it to me and just kind of pet it. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, no. Um, uh, it's just amazing it's awesome seeing you know young people participate um you know i, I it's it's good we're, we're at a crossroads here in in sports and stuff you know with getting young kids in it i'm the Fond du Lac chapter chairman of walleyes for tomorrow um we have tried everything i've tried everything i can think of to get our young people involved um it's just it's not going well right now We've got still young people fishing, but, uh, you know, think about how many of your friends are out on boats on a given day or yours, you know. Um, I don't know. There's, there's, we got to figure out and make sure we keep people involved and understand. People need to understand, too, that, you know, it does take human uh, participation to, to help the species that, that we seek as well, be it deer or fish or whatever it's at. So, um yeah, that's it's a that's a question for the future. Uh, something you guys will probably have to take care of or yeah. deal with anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we going to get more young people involved in the sport and and not only just going hunting, but understanding you know habitat, understanding why these fish are here, um, prepping a spawning grounds, whatever it is, you know, which is kind of our thing for walleyes for tomorrow is habitat, and uh, it, it's it's difficult. Uh, to get kids to understand that there's a correlation. If we don't have the habitat, if we don't have the fish spawning, they're not going to be there for you to catch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so it, it's it's a learning curve that we're going to have to pick up in kind of a hurry. Um, if you ever want to get political and understand where things are going in the fishing world and, and, and laws and things happening, um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to our... Uh, COO Mike Arrowwood for Wally's for Tomorrow. He's the, the organization president. And uh, I think he would come on and talk with you guys. He'd have uh, the guy is full of information. There's, uh, there's just not a guy who's brought more to the game for us fishermen. Um, and he cares about all fish. He, you know, he's, I don't think he's sturgeon spears, but he still cares about what happens with the sturgeon. Yeah. Um, as far as going to hearings and talking with people. You know who have the power to change laws. Right. Uh, this the guy's amazing. Uh, what he does for our walleyes in this lake, um, he's he's very, you know, people know him and understand. Um, he's he's very you know hard headed over certain issues, and, and those are his issues. But uh, the, the amount of work and stuff that he's done for the fish in this system is, is unbelievable. And he he's a guy who he's very knowledgeable. He's, he's talk to some very important people so if you ever want to guest i can see if i can hook him up for yeah, you yeah that'd be awesome because lake winnebago also is like a 
kind of world class walleye is, lake it, too. It really is a walleye factory. Yeah. Um, you know, our walleyes for tomorrow. We try not to get involved in in any type of politics unless it has directly to do with our our fish and right. with our organization. It's walleyes. Right. Um, you know. People ask, well, why why aren't uh, Walleyes for Tomorrow defending, you know, this new three walleye limit? Because um, that's not what we do. Uh, what we do is habitat. We create habitat, try to make everything better so we've got more fish to catch. Um, it, it's Walleyes for Tomorrow. That doesn't mean we don't want you to catch and eat fish. We want to make sure there's fish out there for everyone to enjoy. That's our mission statement. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, it sounds like we might have to have you back on and talk some fishing, maybe turkey hunting, deer hunting. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah, you're certainly welcome back on anytime you feel like coming. And uh, we really appreciate we really appreciate you being here today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was great. You guys are good, uh, good at what you do. And it's really nice to see young people doing something. I've had the opportunity to watch a couple of your podcasts even though i don't know what the hell a podcast is but um, <laughs> you're on one we're I, doing yeah, one yeah, all right i had a couple <laughs> chance to watch a couple and you guys do a great job that's a great representation um you know without being anything frilly or anything like that that's really nice uh you know you don't have a ton of sponsor advertisement you know like in today's deer hunting shows it's almost hard to watch i mean i can watch deer hunting anytime right but it's advertisements and and blot outs on their clothing because they're not their sponsors anymore and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, it's refreshing to see like a real world type you know video thing and stuff that you guys are doing i think i liked you (laughs) 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 when i watched a couple videos but you guys do a great job too it's a it's a good representation Thank thank you yeah we really appreciate it so once again thank you for coming on um thank all of you guys for watching for listening um make sure you Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We've got a lot of good content coming out and a lot of podcasts coming out pretty much every week with a lot of good guests and a lot of good stories and a lot of good times. So it's worth... Noah uh, made me push the microphone up so it blocked my face. (laughs) That is not true. That is not true. Uh, Anyways, um, enjoy your Mount Royal. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see that coming out for the last weekend of sturgeon spearing. Stick around, guys. Highly we'll, likely. Uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> yeah, highly likely. We'll get back in touch with Mike um, maybe next week and share the stories from opening weekend because uh, Jake and myself and Mike uh, had some luck, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe you'll be next, Fantastic. Joel. Maybe uh, you got a couple days left, and if the ice is decent, if it can hold tight for a little bit, maybe. Hoping I didn't burn my luck out as a young person. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. There's, there's... I'm on a six-year drought now. So, well, Mike was on nine, but there you go. It, it, it can happen. Thirteen of fifteen before that for me, though. Oh, I know, Ooh. I know. Yeah, you got to get back. Right, you got to get back. Maybe this will be the year. Yep. Never know. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> it's all right. Nice, still nice to see all the kids get them too. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Thank you guys for You're watching, welcome. and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.